Testament view. We'll have some New Testament in there with it as well. But I first want to go to John, the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. It's a verse that all of us know. We've known it since we were, you know, most of us, if you went to Sunday school. I grew up in an era where you went to Sunday school as a little one. Okay, that's that's. I know today it's different. Uh, back when I grew up, the only thing you had to do on a Sunday was go to church. Uh, most stores were closed. There were no, yeah, there was no, yeah, no practices, no, no little league games or any soccer games or anything like that on Sundays back when I grew up. So I grew up in an era where you went to church on Sundays and, you know, you might go out to eat after that. And that's about it. Now today's life, uh, like I was saying, everybody, you know, all the kids have scheduled events on Sundays. And most kids now don't go to Sunday school because they, they've got baseball or softball or soccer or whatever practice. And so it's a little different now. But I grew up, and most of us would know this verse probably from Sunday school. Like I said, it's John 3.16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever or whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved this world so much that he was willing to send his only begotten son to come into this world, to save this world, to redeem this world, to shed his own innocent blood in order that we might have remission of sin, that we might be saved. This was a plan from the very beginning, from the foundation of the earth. God, nothing catches God by surprise. Sometimes we get knocked off our kilter a little bit. You know, this or that or whatever, life happens and we get knocked off our balance, but nothing ever catches God off balance, never catches him by surprise. And from the very beginning, his plan was to create man, breathe life into man, give man life, and yet he knew that man would turn from him, would fall, and reject him, turn from him, do their own thing, go their own way, make their own plans. And yet he knew from the very beginning that he would send his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. I want to look real quickly because we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school this morning. And you see that God had a plan from the very beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is the time when God created Adam and Eve and, you know, the sin came in. and God's pronouncing punishment to Adam, to Eve, and to the serpent. And we see here in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle 
and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15 is where we want to really look at this morning. And it says, I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. God pronounced even in the, in the Garden of Eden that there was going to come one that would bruise the head of the serpent. That the heel of the Savior would be bruised, but the head of the serpent would basically be crushed. Even all the way back in the book of Genesis, you read about a promise to come of one who would defeat sin, one who would defeat the enemy. And you see that all throughout the Bible. Psalm 43 and 5, I want to just take you here real quickly. This is not a, necessarily uh, a scripture of uh, announcement of the birth of Jesus, but this is something that I want you to I want you to take to heart during this season. You understand that during Christmas there's more deaths by suicide at this time of the year than any other. When as a time that we would think would be the happiest and the most joyous is usually the most stressful. And it has been for me. The most stressful, the most strenuous, the most life-sucking Time of the year, real. I mean, really, in, in, you know. And and it's that's not God's design or God's plan. That's how we make it. That's how we make it. And it's a time that should be, and for the most part, for most people, is. But it is also the time when the suicide rate is at its highest. People at this time are hurt. They're depressed. They're lonely. <laughs> you can go on, yeah. But but I mean, but you know, this all should be should be the time of the year where we draw the closest to God. Draw close to God. Draw near to God. The Bible says, draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. But we usually look the other way and go the other way. But anyway, I digress. Psalm 43 and 5, I want you to think about this as I was talking about that. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? David here is speaking in the psalm. And why are you disquieted within me? You understand, David went through those times of despair, of loneliness, of loss, of hurt, of rejection. And he says to the Lord, you know, he's, well, he's basically speaking to himself here. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Or why are you so glum? Why are you so blue? Why are you disquieted within me? Now I want you to look here because this is, this is what I want you to take home with you today. It continues, it says, hope in God. Hope in God. 
for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. That as I was reading through some of these verses, that little phrase or that little hope in God caught my attention. And it really stuck with me. Hope in God this morning. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstance, no matter where you are or your station in life, put your hope in God this morning. All right? It, because you, we're going to get into this just a little bit deeper here. But as we read all through the book of Genesis, all through the Old Testament, the message that the prophets relay over and over. You see, the, the Bible is quite a book when you really stop and think about it. It's a history book. You know, it's a love book. It's a book of poems. It's a literature book. It's all these things rolled into one book. But it's basically a love letter from God himself saying, this is what I want for you. I want the best for you. I want to give you peace and hope and love. I want to, as the word says, I want to cover you with my wings and shelter you. I want to be a rock for you in your times of trouble and the storms of life. God says, I want to be your rock. I want to be your peace and I want to be your joy. The Bible is quite a book when you really begin to break it down and look at it. It's just about every book ever written rolled into one. Everything that you see in life, you see in this book. But we see the promise of one to come. From the book of Genesis all the way to Malachi. And you see the story relayed over and over, as our pastor mentioned this morning in Sunday school, and you've probably heard many times the scarlet thread woven throughout the whole Bible. The scarlet thread is the, the red thread that runs from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And it's intertwined and weaved and woven all through the pages of the Bible. And it speaks of a God that loves his creation. It speaks of a God of, of mercy and of grace. It speaks of a God of also of judgment and recompense. But it speaks of a God that loved his creation so much that he was willing to lay down his life for his creation. And the birth of Jesus is quite spectacular in history when you look at it. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 9 real quickly here. Well, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 11 first. Go to chapter, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, 
the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be uh, the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Isaiah is speaking here of one to come, one that would come upon the scene and fulfill all these things. All right? One that would come and be a righteous judge and be full of wisdom and understanding. One that would hear the voice of God and fear God. Do exactly what the Father said. Now, in saying that, that's a proclamation or an announcement of someone to come. If you read on down through there, I just want to give you this, read this on down. Verse 6. Now, I'm reading from the New King James. The Old King James will read just a little bit differently. Verse 6 says, The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a child shall lead them. Now, if you read on down there, that's a pronouncement or a proclamation of another event to come. And just as the fulfillment came of the birth of Jesus, the fulfillment will come for the rest of this passage. Death will be no more. Every tear will be wiped from your eye. The lion will lay down with the lamb. There will be their weapons into plows and there'll be no more war. There's a time coming when these things too shall come to pass. But basically this morning we're looking at the birth of Jesus once again. Now if you'll turn back to Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look basically at uh, a few verses here. Isaiah once again. Ben, you you know off the top of your head how many years prior to birth of Jesus Isaiah wrote? Was it 1,000, 500, 600? Was it 700? 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah wrote this? About roughly 700 years? Because we'll look at Malachi as well just a little bit. Roughly, roughly 700 years, Isaiah wrote this. The Lord spoke to Isaiah. Sometimes we think, God, you're not moving fast enough. When Isaiah wrote this, the 700 years passed before the birth of Jesus. But it was all in God's timing and God's plan, and I'll show you that. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It will be done. The child came. Not only was, listen, not only was the birth of Jesus predicted, but also his death, his resurrection, and the second coming. All these things had, were prophesied and spoke about all throughout the word of God, from the book of Genesis all the way down to the book. I mean, you go to all the way through the Old Testament, all the way to the book of Revelation. God has foretold his people exactly what would happen and what to expect. Expect a child to be born and the government will be upon his shoulders. And the increase of, of his government, there will be no end. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Amen. And his kingdom shall be established. Amen. And it will be of the, of the throne of David. And it will be a just kingdom, and a righteous kingdom. Amen. But see, all these things were predicted and spoken of. And like I said, not only was the birth of Jesus announced and proclaimed hundreds of years prior to that, but also his death, his resurrection. And folks, what we have to start looking towards right now is the second coming or the return of Jesus Christ. There's going to come a day when Scripture will be fulfilled just as this Scripture has been fulfilled, amen, that the Scripture will be fulfilled of the return of Jesus Christ, amen. We need to make ourselves ready for the return of Jesus Christ. I don't know that the church is ready for the return of Jesus Christ, amen. I don't know that the church is ready, amen, for the things that are about to take place, on the face of this earth, amen. But it's not God's fault. It would be our fault, amen. It's wrote down in the book. Most of it's written in red. And we still ignore what the word of the Lord says. Once again, I digress. We also see here in verse, or excuse me, in chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, Nevertheless, Will not, uh, uh, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he uh, lightly esteemed the land of, I, I can't pronounce these names right, Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavenly oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. This is an overlooked verse but it's a pronouncement of Jesus ministering in Galilee. If you go to the New Testament, to Matthew, you will see exact. where does Jesus begin his earthly ministry? In Galilee. He begins his earthly ministry in Galilee. 
all these things foretold. He was foretold that he would be born of a virgin. It was foretold that he would be born in Bethlehem. It would be foretold that he would come into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. It was foretold all these things would take place and everything that God said would happen has happened. Jesus began his ministry after he came and John baptized him in the uh, Jordan River. And we see that, uh, I've got to hold my place right here because I've got to come back to this. We see the Spirit of God landing on him in the form of a dove. Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. And immediately he begins to cast out the devils. He begins to heal the sick. This is where I want to get to today. He begins to heal the sick and he begins to deliver the captives and set people free. If, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that you believe that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, if you've accept, accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, amen, Listen, folks, this, like I said, this is where I want to get to today. I do want to take time and pray this morning. I don't care if anybody comes up here this morning. I, I do not, believe me, I do not care. I'm going to do what the Word of God tells me, or has spoken to me, okay? But I believe that the Lord is in this place this morning. I believe that there's an anointing in this place this morning. I believe that God, I might not be delivering this message exactly like the Lord would have me deliver it, but I'm giving the best. But I believe that there, God wants that anointing poured out upon his people this morning. I believe that there is an anointing that's going to set the captives free this morning. I believe there's an anointing that's going to heal the sick this morning. I believe that there's an anointing if you're suffering from depression, anxiety, whatever it might be, that God is here in this place this morning to set you free, to fill you with the spirit of love and peace and joy because that is the reason we're celebrating. Listen, doesn't matter about Christmas presents or what you're going to have for Christmas dinner. All those things are wonderful. I enjoy them as much as anybody else. And if anybody wants to get me a gift, I will accept it. Okay, just saying, I got nothing against those things. But that's not the reason. That's not the reason. The reason is, back in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if we would believe in him, that we would not perish but we would have everlasting life. I want to throw, I want, I know my time is running short, so I want to throw this scripture, and I want you to think about this scripture, and we're going to come back to this scripture. Isaiah, back to Isaiah chapter 10 real quickly, verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. I want you to hold on to that scripture this morning. No matter what else you've heard me say, that's the main scripture I want to get to this morning. And it, necess it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the birth of Jesus, and yet it does. 
understand there's an anointing in this place every time we gather in this house, not just today. I want you to have an understanding that every time we gather in this house, there's an anointing in this place. There's an anointing in this. Why? Why? Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name that He's there in their midst. There's an anointing in this place. When we come together, the Spirit of the living God is in this place. Sometimes we push Him out the door or we tell Him to go wait in the back until we get through with our agenda. Amen. But nevertheless, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Amen. We might say, hey, you wait outside because I'm in a bad mood today. Leave me alone today. Just let, let, me, let me stay in my bad mood. Amen? Wait out there. Do what I, But nevertheless, the Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's an anointing. There's an anointing. There's an anointing. There is an anointing. I believe the Lord wants to pour that oil out on people this morning. Not a physical, not, not a physical oil, but the anointing oil that only comes from the throne room of God that will cover you from the top of your head and saturate you from the outside, inside, inside, outside. Amen. The oil that will destroy the yoke of bondage, the, the oil that will destroy the yoke of sickness, the oil that will destroy the yoke of depression, the oil, Lord, that will fill you with joy and peace and love and not, will give you the, your heart's desire. And when I say your heart's desire, I'm not talking about a million dollars, but the oil that will fill you to where you don't feel empty. That's the oil we're talking about. Isaiah 53, real quickly. I got a few scriptures I want to read. I'm not going to get through all this, and that's fine. Who has believed our report? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out, a root out of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This is Isaiah speaking of the one that they would call Messiah. The one that they would call Emmanuel. God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God is with us. You shall call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Here again, I want you to understand this this morning. 
God is with you. God is with you right now. God's with you. God's for you. God loves you. He loves you this morning. Whatever you may be going through, whatever you may be dealing with, God loves you. I'm going to skip some things real quickly. I do want to take you to the back book of Malachi real quick. This is just a, a Malachi, as I was looking this, would have been written. That's why I was trying to find last night. Everybody understand that the Bible's not written chronologically. Now, I mean, what I mean by that, it's not, it doesn't go, the Bible's not written in order, if you will, of, of events. So some of the last books of the Bible written were uh, Ezra and Nehemiah in a chronological order. When we read them in the Bible, they're placed up front. You know, they're placed towards the front. But in chronological or in historical events, the way they play out, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Malachi are some of the last books to have been written. And why do I say this? Because over in Malachi, I, can't, I won't even have time to get to Daniel today. Daniel is something that you guys can look at for yourself. I believe it's Daniel chapter 9. And the angel is speaking to Daniel. And he tells Daniel, look, Daniel, uh, there's going to be 70 weeks. And so the reason I say this is important is because God gave a specific time frame when the Messiah would be born. If you look over in Daniel chapter 9, you will see the prophecy of 70 weeks. Okay? This is important because it's also tied to the birth of Jesus Christ. You say, how do you can prove that? Well, I, I don't have time, but I can prove that. Okay. And so that's something you can look at on your own. But here's what I want to get to and why this is important, I believe. Malachi chapter 5. Chapter 5. No, chapter 5, chapter 4. Hmm. Well, it must be chapter somewhere. Now, now I don't know where I'm at. But it, the verse is uh, it's the prophecy concerning the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And to save time, I want to. What I want, my point in this is, after Malachi was written, or the, those last few books were written, there was a four, roughly four hundred year time period when the people of Israel did not hear from God. There was no prophet writing, no word from God written for roughly four a four hundred year period. From Malachi, 400 years, to the birth of Jesus. Roughly 400 years. That's a long time, right? 
Sometimes we wonder ourselves, why isn't God speaking to me? Why isn't God talking? Why isn't God moving? My point in that is sometimes God has a plan and a purpose we don't understand. We don't understand it. But God has a plan and a purpose for everything. Everything. God has a plan and a purpose. I want to stop because I do, I know we've got a very busy day. i got other scriptures I could take you into as far as the, the announcement and birth of Jesus Christ, but I want to stop. I want to take you back real quickly. Let me go real quickly back because I want to pray. I do want to pray. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Thank you.